You're listening to The Bridge Between Podcast, a weekly exploration of how a family history research project transformed into a search for understanding, truth, and the points of connection between people. In dialoguing with others, we begin to understand ourselves. My name is Cisco Ramos, and this is The Bridge Between. In 1972, the Cuban-born, Italian-raised writer Italo Calvino wrote an imaginative and deeply original book called Invisible Cities. Invisible Cities imagines how Marco Polo might have described the vastness of the Mongolian Empire to Kublai Khan. Despite being a work of fiction, in reading Invisible Cities, you quickly experience the challenges and constraints of language and culture when describing the unknown and the new. While Calvino is writing, I imagine he was sitting in a room and asking himself a series of questions, such as, how do you explain the color red to a someone who has never seen it before? What about the color purple? Or the sound of a city that lies just beyond the river? Does the river have a name? What about the market? Or the town beyond that? The people beyond that? What do they speak? This week's episode of The Bridge Between is inspired by Invisible Cities. When I sat down to write this episode, I kept thinking about how high-ranking Mexica officials were told about the arrival of Hernán Cortés to the Yucatán Peninsula in 1519. I did not want to write something from the perspective of the colonizers. We have their accounts, and they can be easily accessed. Instead, I wanted to take the perspective of the person who, for the first time, had no choice but to tell Montezuma II about a previously unknown presence that arrived just along the shoreline. How does this person describe armor, horses, or the foreignness of their language? What words do you use? Did their voice hesitate? Did they stutter? I'm taking this perspective because so much of our collective understanding of indigenous populations is incorrect. What has been presented to us is largely a fabrication, a presentation of a monolith population, somehow idyllic, unchanging, primitive, without culture. That understanding is wrong. This is an attempt, a modest attempt, to help decenter those narratives. This story is called Invisible Pueblos. The scout approached Montezuma II, the now fabled and infamous king the last of his line, in the gathering area just behind the sacred altar. It was a nondescript space, meant for standing, reflection, empty of belongings, deliberately sparse, reserved for family members and high-ranking officials. Out of breath, the scout kneeled, as if to reaffirm his lowly belonging, their position. He looked up and he said the following. Strange men, they arrived in 11 Akai, that's Nahuatl for boat, 14 days ago. The boats are sitting in the water. They are made of wood and have a large, white, tall triangle in the middle. It looks like this. The scout begins to draw on the dust-covered terrain. It's meant to capture the wind. It helps them move without the power of men. They can move it up and down. It rotates, depending on which way the wind is blowing. They made their way to the shore on smaller boats, rowing. 14 at a time initially, then more. We think there are over 500 in all. They have a leader. He calls himself 
Hernan Cortez. He says this slowly while also pointing towards his chest. Some of the men are wearing something shiny and hard. They think it protects them. Some wear it on their head, others on their body and arms. The other men are dressed in a body-length brown cloth. They also have a thin white cloth that circles their waist and is tied in a knot in the front. They are bald on the back of their head with plenty of hair on all sides. They carry two sticks that are crossed in the middle. It looks like this. The scout draws cross lines next to the uneven triangle. They carry the cross sticks with both hands and great care. They then carried large animals from the boats to the sand. They look like this. The scout draws next to the cross lines. Four legs and a long face. They have a tail and the tail on the back of their long neck. We don't know what it is. They seem to care for them as equals. The Tlaxcala say the language they speak is strange. We don't understand them. We can only exchange gestures. We think they're lost in a search for something. They've come a long way. They look tired. They look pale. Their skin, it appears almost unnatural. Should we give them supplies? Send them on their way? Could this be a sign? The Kakike of Tabasco says he has slaves who speak multiple languages. He acquired them from Painala, who were then gifted to Mayan slavers from Chicalango, who then sold them to Chontol Mayans. The Kakike says he thinks two speak their language. Hieronimo, the man from beyond this land, across the sea. He has the cross sticks and speaks their babble. In Malinayi, the young woman from the place between the valley and the Yucatan. He plans to provide them as a gift in hopes of being able to communicate. We're going to let them stay for now. They are still on the beach. They are small in number and they look harmless. We're giving them food and waiting for the Kakike of Tabasco's gift. I've come to you today because we do not know what to do. We are divided. Some want to rid them from our land, drive them back into the sea. Others want to welcome them as friends. We wait for your instruction. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Bridge Between. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. If you'd like to reach out, you can email me at thebridgebetween at gmail.com. That's thebridgebtwn at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at thebridgebetween. That's thebridgebtwn. Thank you for listening.